we have a whole squad that can really hoop and get the job done. We got our way to win. It's simple for us. The first team ever in the 74-year history of the NBA to come back from being down 3-1 twice in the same playoffs. Nuggets down one into Murray. Here we go. Ten seconds. Murray to Jokic. Jokic. What's up, y'all? Jenna Garcia back with another episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast. And it's been a good time to be a Nuggets fan. We're two games up on the Suns in this second round semifinals, Western Conference semifinal series. It has been so much fun to get back at the Suns, just like they did us dirty a couple years ago. The Nuggets are totally taking it to them in this second round series even though they'll tell you it's not a revenge there's no revenge on their mind I don't believe them because they came out and whooped them in that first game game two was less fun than game one but still a win if they win ugly we don't care we just want to sweep nugs in four nugs in four I'm just messing with y'all. I won't cheer the entire podcast. Yeah, that chant did start up in Ball Arena on Monday night. Nuggets fans are absolutely hyped. Despite the ugly win that the Nuggets got on Monday night, Jamal Murray with a huge performance in Game 1. So we knew the Suns were going to come out gunning in Game 2, and they did exactly that. They came out firing... Devin Booker, right off the bat, came out shooting three for seven in the first quarter. He drains a three as well. The only three that the Suns made in that first quarter. But they took a lot more threes. We knew they were going to come out and shoot more threes after game one. Game one um, goes down as the the fewest threes taken by a team in a playoff series ever. Um and the fewest threes taken in a half. Josh Akogi gets the start in game two. He's typically a bench player for the Suns, but Monty Williams was pulling out all the stops in game two. He even used a few more guys from his bench. He goes a little bit deeper into his bench, although rendered fairly ineffective. Despite the fact that he was willing to go to them, they weren't very effective. Even in the first quarter, he uses four guys off the bench, Damian Lee, Cameron Payne, Torrey Craig, and Bismack Biombo, who were all essentially ineffective. Ineffect- ineffective? Uneffective? I think it's ineffective. <laughs> Biombo had two points, but aside from that, Chris Paul, Torrey Craig, Cam Payne, Damian Lee, Zero points on the board in the first quarter. Josh Okoge got two points up in that first quarter, but that was all he did all game. So the Nuggets really shut them down in a lot of ways. But game two was a bit more sloppy. The Suns were far more in it than they were in game one. They are winning by at the end of the first quarter. And the second quarter is even worse, I think, for the Nuggets, especially for Jamal Murray. Jamal goes over in the first quarter. It's mostly just Joker, really, in the first quarter. He's got 11 points, and they only scored 18 total in that first quarter. So it was all Joker in the first. 
Jamal didn't get much better in the second quarter. He does score a couple points, four points for Jamal and three assists. He had those three assists in the first quarter, though, so zero assists in the second quarter, one rebound. Joker, really not a great second quarter. Uh, Two points, two rebounds, two assists. It was all AG in the second quarter, and the bench, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, bring in some buckets for the Nuggets, and then AG with eight second quarter points. The difference was that Devin Booker was hitting his shots in this game. He goes three for four from three in the first half of this game, seven for 14. He had 10 points in the second quarter, two rebounds, two assists, KD added to that with five points of his own, one rebound, one assist in that second quarter. But it was definitely a much tighter game. At the half, I was not feeling nearly as comfortable as I was in game one. I think one of the biggest uh, things that we expected from the Suns was that they were going to shoot more threes in this game. They took nine first quarter threes and made one. In the second quarter, they took eight more threes and made three. So they were a lot more effective in that second quarter, and it looked like maybe they could pull out. I I didn't think they were going to win. I never felt like they were at a point where they were going to beat the Nuggets, but I did feel like they were giving them. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A better run for their money. When it came to the three-point line, the Nuggets were doing the same thing that they had done in previous games. They had seven first-quarter threes and made two. They took six more threes in the second quarter and only made one, so that made their second quarter even less effective in my mind, in my opinion. Third quarter was a tough one. The Nuggets took eight more threes and they made one, while... The Suns took five more threes and made two. Again, the Suns were up in the first quarter. They were, I believe they were up at the half and they were up at the end of the third quarter. So if you're thinking, if you're a Suns fan, you're thinking, okay, we have this game. We've carried this game for the most part. We've been in charge for the most part of this game. Jamal Murray, man, he could not make anything he made one bucket in the second quarter and also two free throws for his four points total in this game so far by the third quarter he was one for ten and oh for six from three so he was still shooting he was still trying to get shots up but quite ineffective he only added one assist to his third quarter line he did not have any more rebounds joker was really on the boards and what 
stood out to me about Joker's rebounding in this game was that there weren't that many offensive boards. He did not have that many offensive boards. And it wasn't because they were necessarily making everything. You know, there were a lot of misses. But most of his boards came on the defensive end. He had six defensive rebounds in the third. Well, two in the third, but six overall by the end of the third. And 31 points. So it's all the joke show at this point of the game. Joker really showed up. He was the best player on the floor for game for the Nuggets in game two. I would have to say Booker was probably the best player on the floor for the Suns in game two. Uh, Chris Paul did contribute quite a bit in the third quarter. He kind of got going a little bit. So did DeAndre Ayton. And, you know, KD's going to get his buckets. He got a couple more. He did not. He was not nearly as effective, I felt, in this game as he was in game one. KD still was able to make a lot of shots in game one. And game two, he still got shots up, right? He has 16 at the end of the third. He finishes with 24 points overall. Not a bad game, but kind of a bad game for KD, if that makes any sense. The man doesn't have bad games in general, but kind of a bad game. He he definitely wasn't nearly as effective as you would have thought he was going to be. A lot of that was in the first half. By, at the first half mark, he only had nine points. He had four in the first quarter. Aaron Gordon did a really good job against against KD in this game especially in the first half, but you knew he was going to get his buckets in the second half. So it was back and forth all game long, with the Suns' biggest lead being eight and the Nuggets' biggest lead being six. So it definitely felt like there was a point by the end of the third where I thought, hmm, could the Suns pull this out? Could the Nuggets potentially, you know, implode a little bit, get get too sloppy, and allow the Suns to win this game. Allow them; They allowed them to stay in it, for sure. Uh, they had 40 p- points in the paint at the end of the third, which was all Joker, really. He was a lot more efficient in this game than he was in game one. The Suns had 20 points in the paint by the end of the third. But really where I think they could make a big difference is on the fast break, and we'll get into that in the second segment for sure. Fourth quarter, though, this is when the Nuggets really show up. They have yet to lose a second quarter or a fourth quarter. In this game, they won the second quarter by one point, 21 to 22, right? So barely, but they won it. They've yet to lose a second quarter. They've won all their second quarters. They haven't tied. They've won all their fourth quarters, too, but they did tie one fourth quarter, 22 to 22, game one of the Timberwolves series. But this fourth quarter, they really locked down on defense. And I hate when they do this a little bit, like the fact that they can lock in when they need to. It's like a great trait, and also it frustrates me to no end because I, I don't want them to wait till the fourth. Like I'm much, I'm much more comfortable, right, when they do it in the first half. And that way, by the time we get to the fourth quarter, I'm not having a heart attack. But it is what it is. They showed up in the fourth. They lock them down. They only allow 14 points in the fourth quarter to this Suns team. I think what stood out most to most people after the game was just how few contributors the Suns had. Chris Paul ends up leaving the game with the groin injury. He probably, as far as I saw, 
and there could be newer reports, but the last I saw was that he wouldn't return until game six at the soonest, which is definitely a bummer for Chris Paul, I'm sure, for like what he was hoping to do in this postseason, but quite frankly, expected. Like he probably probably like minus ten thousand, he was gonna be injured right in this postseason because that's what Chris Paul does, and it's it sucks, but that's what happens to Chris Paul in the postseason. He gets injured, and frankly, I know Draymond came out recently and said, "Oh, you guys are so busy on what's next that you're not enjoying what's present." And I just got to say, Graymon, what the hell are you talking about? We've been enjoying LeBron for 20 years. It's 20 years, bro. Y'all are old. Accept it. You ain't cool no more. You ain't the new thing on the street. You're not interesting. It's the same old thing. 36, Steph Curry. Come on. You got to let people move on. You got to let the new, cl- new kids come up and dominate. And that's what why he dislikes Dylan Brooks and, and that Memphis team so much. Because that that's a younger version of him. It's the younger version of... And I'm sure he sees Dylan Brooks and he thinks, dang, this guy's younger than me. It's still absolutely impressive. Dylan Brooks didn't, didn't beat the old guys, right? You go and play pickup with guys at the Y or out at the park or something and there are old guys who can still run it's yes it's still massively impressive but and y'all still got the win so I don't know why you have to come out with statements like this but to claim that fans aren't enjoying the present because we're over LeBron and you and Steph and KD y'all have been in the league you own the league for the last 10-15 years bro Chillax, let it go. It's okay if somebody else is the new top dog. It's okay if there's somebody more interesting. Y'all been interesting for a while. You can't have it forever. I'm sorry. That's why you are doing podcasts, isn't it, Draymond? Just my opinion, but that's part of why Chris Paul is so injury prone. The man is old. It's likely going to happen. Nobody wishes injury upon anyone, but I I would be lying to y'all if I didn't say I didn't think he was going to get injured. That's just facts. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. The fourth quarter, you really only got contributions from three guys. Kevin Durant. You got two points from DeAndre Ayton. So I guess you can count that as a contribution. And D-Book. I would say mostly you got contributions from two people. Let's let's rephrase that. Two people. Biggest thing that stood out to me in the fourth quarter and in the those minutes, the, the 14 points that they were able to score, the Suns took nine more three-pointers. First quarter, they took nine threes. Fourth quarter, they took nine threes. And they made zero They made zero threes in the fourth quarter. That's where the difference really was made. Because if they drop, I don't know, one, uh, probably going to need two or three at least to be competitive, right? The Nuggets outscored them 27 to 14 in the fourth quarter. So to really, to even be competitive with the Nuggets, they were going to need at least three threes. 
It was a 10-point difference in this game. Nuggets win by 10, 97-87. Very low-scoring game. And that tells you right there that these teams were both struggling to score. These teams both had poor offense. The Nuggets end up shooting 47%. That's much below what they typically shoot from the field. And the Suns only shot 40%, far below what they normally shoot from the field. They shot in the 50s in game one. Right? The three-point percentage was still a struggle for the Suns, only making six of 31, shooting below 20% from three. The Nuggets ended up making six threes in the fourth quarter. Though, or they took six more threes, excuse me. They made three more threes. But still, nonetheless, really big threes. Those three were really big. They only made one more three than the Suns did all game, but they came at a really important time in this game. Helped them pull away. Jamal Murray was finally able to get going a little bit more in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, excuse me. He had six points. He ends up dishing out four more assists, which made me more happy than the the six points that he got in the fourth. The the four more assists. You see guys like MPJ, like Aaron Gordon, guys who don't have a shot like I mean, MPJ has a shot, right? But guys who struggle sometimes to participate in the offense. Guys, sometimes MPJ doesn't get the ball. Sometimes he's not hitting his shots. Sometimes he's cold coming off the bench, right? We've seen him get hot in a very limited amount of time. He did not play in this fourth quarter. It just hasn't been his game. I don't know why. I want answers to why. I would like to know more because I feel like they're going to need him on the road. In this series, I really feel like they're going to need him on the road. But I liked that Jamal had to go to something else. I liked that he had to find something else in his game that was working for him because his shot was not working for him. And I definitely felt like he was pressing in this game. I felt like he took a lot of shots that he probably shouldn't have. He got 15 shots up, right? He made only one more shot than MPJ did. And Jamal played the entire fourth quarter. MPJ didn't play any of the fourth quarter. He was a plus 14 on this game. I think that says a lot about his contributions on the defensive end, how much he locked in, his assists that he threw out there in the fourth quarter. But this was really a yoke show. It was a beautiful game of basketball for Nikola Jokic, who should have won the MVP. And we'll talk about that in the second segment. All right, I said we'd talk about two things in this second segment before we wrap up this one. The first is what I think that the Suns could do, the adjustment I think they could make if they really want to try to win a game in in Phoenix. The reason I think this Nuggets team has had success against the Suns so far, one, they've had guys show up. Nikola had a really big game. 39 points at the end of that second game. Obviously, Jamal had a really big game one. Big contributions from those guys. Big contributions from Aaron Gordon. The defense has been really good. And we know that the Nuggets' biggest weakness, weakness, weakness is what I said. The Nuggets' biggest weakness is their transition defense. 
And actually, in game two, the Suns won that battle. They had 11 transition points to the Nuggets' uh, seven transition points. I think if the Suns are able to get the Nuggets running in transition, if they were able to press, right, um, maybe have Torrey Craig run, just run. As soon as the ball goes up, the shot goes up, you're running, right? Have have somebody like that, a dynamic finisher, Kevin Durant even. Cherry picked a couple of plays in game two. If those guys can run the Nuggets in transition, I think they could have a lot more success against them. And mind you, I don't want them to have success, but I could see them looking to do that in game three to try to not allow the Nuggets to set get set in their defense. You've gotten really good defensive games out of Aaron Gordon, out of Bruce Brown. Even Jeff Green has been pretty good on the defensive end um, in games one and game two. That being said, if they are able to get the Nuggets in transition, they could get a win against the Nuggets. This could go to five <laughs> or six, right? It could go, they could extend the series, is what I'm saying. And I really hope the Nuggets figure out a way to avoid that, right? And that means making your shots so that you aren't really allowing them to get defensive rebounds and pass the ball quickly. They have to take it out of bounds, boxing out. If balls aren't falling, if shots aren't falling, you got to rebound those, get offensive boards. The Nuggets were out rebounded on the offensive boards in game two 11 offensive rebounds for the suns and just five for the nuggets you could say that's because the nuggets shots were falling more than the suns shots were falling that's true but what you don't want is for the suns to get the ball on a def- get a defensive rebound and get a quick transition and catch the nuggets in their weakest state which is in transition I think that's probably what the biggest adjustment they'll make going forward. Um, Monty Williams, he actually ended up using 11 guys. He added in Ish Wainwright and Jock Van Landell. And nobody was effective for them. Zero points for Landell. Zero points for Wainwright. Let's see, Damian Lee ends up hitting one shot. For two points, not even a three, which is why he's in the game. He goes 0 for 4 from 3. 0 for 2 from Torrey Craig from 3. Zero points on the night for Torrey Craig. Two points for Bismack Biombo, and the same two points from Josh Okoge that he got in the first quarter. So they really only got contributions from four guys, and Chris Paul was one of those four guys. He didn't even play in the fourth quarter. He only had eight points. So... <laughs> Really, you could say only three guys. And then you're looking at DeAndre Ayton, who only had two points in the fourth quarter. So then you're down to only two guys really contributing. And that's the Suns' biggest weakness, is that they just don't have enough guys who are contributing when the Nuggets have, you could say, five, six guys contributing. And that's when Jamal had a really bad night, right? He had 10 points. That's a good contribution by the end of the game, but it wasn't very effective for three quarters of the game. And Michael Porter, who's probably your best shooter up in this up until this point, has been 
fairly ineffective in this series. He's only had five points in this game at the end of the game. And again, he only played three quarters, but still, that's not usual for him. He normally makes his shots. He normally hits threes. I gotta believe he's due for one. I really do. I thought it was going to be game two, but maybe it's game three. Maybe it's game three for for uh, MPJ. We'll have to see. But you're getting contributions from KCP, from AG, from Nicola, from Jamal, from Bruce Brown. And then, you know, you're getting a couple points here and there from Christian and from Jeff as well. The last topic we'll talk about before we wrap up this pod is the MVP award, which might as well be a participation trophy after this season because you have to play a certain amount of games to win it. You have to meet a certain number of requirements, right? And just to be clear, Joel Embiid will no longer be able to be to qualify for this award. Thank goodness he won it this year because next season he ain't going to qualify. He doesn't play enough games. And I really felt like I, I, I'm trying to find a reason why he should have won this, and I just can't. Like, it's beyond me. I think people are going to be kicking themselves for years to come for not voting for Joker. He had, in my eyes, a much better season than Joel did. Yes, Joel cooked him in Philly, but he was too scared to even play him again in Denver. So, hmm. I kind of doesn't feel like he cooked him as much. Yeah, he was averaging 33 points, which is far more than Jokic averages because Joker's not a shooter. That's not his game. He's a passer, right? 10 rebounds, Joke did the same thing. In fact, Joker almost averaged a triple-double if he didn't sell us for the entire final month of the season. And I genuinely do believe that he did not want to win three in a row. I don't think he wanted that pressure. I don't think he wanted to be letting everyone down if he didn't end up winning a championship, right? Because everyone's like, oh, I can't I can't give it to Joker because he can't be one guy, one of three, even though, because he hasn't dominated for these last few seasons. He also hasn't played with a single NBA, all-NBA all player or other all-star. Let's remind you, everybody. Embiid plays next to a former MVP. Must be easy to score 33 points when your point guard is a former MVP. I'm sorry, but makes me not think he deserves it. Makes me, to me, it's devalued. His team was also not number one in the West. He wasn't, he doesn't have the most win shares in the league this season, which to me is direct correlation to most valuable. A player who is most valuable to their team will have the most win shares. Period. And honestly, I would love to see the Sixers and the Nuggets be the finals matchup this season just so that Joker can dominate him and prove to everybody that he was the MVP of this season and is the MVP. Like, that is my ideal scenario because I want that smoke. I feel like you know, on a night, the day after Joker has a 39-16 rebounds and five assists, the day after that, they name Joel Embiid, who hasn't played in the second round because of his injury, they award him the MVP. I'm sorry, but no. 
nah, not my MVP, not my MVP, not never going to be my MVP. On top of that, my other issue with awarding him this award is how much pandering and whining this man did to win this award. All he did was whine and cry about why he wasn't considered and how dare he not be considered and get his friends to whine and cry about him not being considered and why he should be considered. And the biggest shocker is that Joel Embiid actually cut ties with CAA about a year ago um, and ended up in like 2021, he ends up cutting ties with CAA, who pretty much runs the league, if y'all aren't in tune with this, the league... The shows, NBA Today, these are all CAA, 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 little mouths chirping away for CAA. Ramona Shelburne, Perk, all of them. You can't trust them. Keep your third eye open. They cannot be trusted. These people are just saying things to help whatever group they are part of, whatever management group they are part of. So if CAA does good, then they do good. So you know what I mean? That was the biggest shocker for me that he had already cut ties with CAA because you could have fooled me. I thought for sure that's why he won. And maybe that's CAA making good on whatever reason they cut ties, right? But um, yeah, not my MVP. My MVP doesn't whine about being MVP. He doesn't beg to be MVP. He doesn't send out packages to the voters trying to get them to see why he is the MVP. He just goes out there on the court and lets his game prove it. Night in, night out. He's about to sweep the Suns. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.